Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Camilla by Joseph Sheridan LeFoon. Episode Chapter 2 A Guest. I am now going to tell you something so strange that will require all your faith in my lucidity to believe my story. Not only true, nevertheless, but truth of which I have been an eyewitness. It was a sweet summer evening, and my father asked me, as he sometimes did, to take a little ramble with him along the beautiful forest Vesta, which I have mentioned as lying in front of the Solace. General Schoelstorff cannot come to us so soon, as I hoped, said my father, as we sued our walk. He was to have paid us a visit some weeks but he we expected his arrival next day. He was to have brought with him a young lady, his niece, a ward, members of the Vale, Renfelt, whom I've never seen, but whom I've heard described as a very charming girl, in whose society I promised myself many happy days. More, I was more disappointed than a young lady living in a town or bustling neighbourhood can possibly imagine. The visit and the acquaintances promised, promised had furnished my daydreams for for many weeks. How soon does he, he come? I asked. Not till autumn. Not for two months, I dare say. He answered. I'm very glad now. How dear, you will never meet Mansuel Rainfelt. And why? I asked, both mortified and curious. Because the poor young lady is dead. He replied. I've not quite forgot. I did not tell. I've not told you. You're not. You were not in the room when I received the General's letter this evening. I very much shocked General Schildorf had mentioned his first letter six or seven weeks before. She was not so well he would wish her. There was nothing to suspect, remotest suspicion of danger. Here's the General's letter, he said, handling it to me. I'm afraid his great affection, a letter appears to me, have been written very nearly in distraction he sat down on a rude bench under a couple of magnificent lime trees the sun was setting with its melancholy splendour behind a civilian horizon the steam the stream that flows beneath inside our home passes under the steep old bridge i mentioned wound round through many a group of noble trees almost as our feet reflecting it in its current a fading crimson on the sky. General Spildoff's letter was so extraordinary, so vermont, in some places so contrary, that I read it twice over, a second time aloud to my father. I was still unable to account for it, except by supposing the grief had settled his mind. It said, I have lost my darling daughter, for as much as I loved her during the last days of my dear Bertha's illness, I was not able to write to you. 
Before then, I had no idea of her danger. I have lost her, and now learn all. Too late. She died in the peace of innocence, and the glorious hope of blessed fortitude. The fiend who betrayed of in, in futiated hostility has done it all. I thought I was receiving into my house innocent gaiety, a charming companion for my lost Bella. Bertha, heavens, what a fool have I been! I thank God my child died without a suspicion of cause of her suffering. She has gone without so much as conjecting, conjecting the nature of her illness and accused passion of an agent for all of this misery and about my reigning days of tracking and distinguishing amongst her. I am told I may only may hope to accomplish my righteous, merciful purpose. At present there is a scarcely a gleam of light to guide me. I curse my conceited incredibility, my despicable effect, affection, of superiority, my blindness, my obscenity. obscenity. All too late, I cannot write or talk collectively now. Distracted so soon, I shall have a little little recovered. I mean to devote myself for a time to inquiry, which may possibly lead me as far as Vienna. Some time in the autumn, two months hence, or earlier if I live, I will see you, that is, if you permit me. I will then tell you all that I scarce dare not put upon paper now. Farewell, pray for me, dear friend. These terms ended this strange letter. Through, though I had never seen Bertha Renfield, my eyes filled with tears at a sudden intelligence. I was startled as well as profoundly disappointed, and some was now sent, set the twilight, by the time I returned to General's letter to my father. <clears throat> it was a soft, clear evening, he loitered spectating upon the possible meanings of the violent in current sentences which I had just been reading. We had nearly a mile to walk before reaching the road that passes the Cholesse in front. By the time the moon was shining brilliantly by that time the moon was shining brilliantly. At drawbridge we met Madame Perondon and Mademoiselle de Fontaine, who had come out about their bonnets to enjoy the exquisite moonlight. We heard their voices gabbling in the emanated dialogue as we approached we joined them at Dobridge and turned about to admire with them the beautiful scene. The glade which we had just walked lay before us. At our left, a narrow road wound away under clumps of lordly trees and was lost for sight amid the thickening forest. At right, the same road crosses a steep and picturesque bridge near which stands a ruined tower which once guarded that pass. Beyond the bridge, a brook eminence rises, covered with trees and showing in the shadows some grey ivy-clustered rocks. Over the swad, the glow grounds and the thin film of mist were stealing like smoke, marking the distances to transparent veil, and there here and there we could see the river faintly flashing the moonlight. No softer, sweeter scene could be imagined. News I just heard made it monochrony. But nothing could disturb its character of profound severity, enchanted glory and vagueness of the prospect. My father enjoyed a picturesque. I stood looking in silence over the expanse beneath us. The two good governesses standing a little way behind us, discovered upon the scene, were eloquent upon the moon. 
Madame Perron was fat, middle-aged and romantic, and talked and sighed poetically, as Madame de Fontaine, in the right of her father, to the right in the right of her father, was a German assumed to be psychologically metaphysical and something of a mystic. Now declared that when the moon shone with the light so intense, it was well known it indicated special spiritual activity. The effect of the full moon is such a state of brilliancy was manifold. It acted on dreams. It acted on lunacy. It acted on nervous fever. It either marvelous physical influences connected with life. Mademoiselle related that her cousin, who was a mate of a merchant ship, having taken a nap on deck on such a night, lying his back with his face full in the light of the moon, had wakened from a dream of an old late woman clawing him by the cheek, with his features wholly drawn to one side, his countenance had never quite recovered its equilibrium. The moon is night, she said, is full of idyllic and magnetic influence. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. See when you look behind you, in front of Chalice, how all the windows flash and twinkle with silvery splendor. Unseen hands have lighted up the rooms with sea fairy ghosts. Their indolent styles of the spirits which are disposed to, to talk once ourselves and talk of others is present to our listless ears. I gazed on, pleased with the twinkle of the lady's conversation. I have got into one of my moping moods tonight, said my father, of a science, and quoting Shakespeare, who, by the way of keeping up with our, Eng- our English, he used to read out aloud, he said, In truth I know not, but why am I so sad? It wearies me, you say, it wearies you. But how I got it, I came by it. I've got the rest. I feel as if I had some great misfortune for hanging over us. I suppose a poor general's afflicted letter was that had that something to do with it. At this moment the unwanted sound of a carriage wheels and many hoofs upon the road arrested our attention. They seemed approaching from a high ground overlooking the bridge. The very center of Emperor Bridge page emerged from the point that point. Two horsemen first crossed the bridge, then came a carriage drawn by four horses, and two men rode behind. It seemed to be the travelling carriage of a person of rank. We were all immediately absorbed in watching that very unusual spectacle. It became in a few moments greatly more interesting. But just as the carriage had passed the summit of the steep bridge, one of the leaders, taking fright, communicated panic to the rest, and after a plunge or two, the whole team broke for a wild gallop together, dashing behind. The horseman who rode in front came thundering along the road towards us with speeds of harrapin. The excitement of the scene was made more painful by the clear, long-drawn screams of a female voice from the carriage window. We all advanced in curiosity and horror. We gather rather in silence. Curiosity and horror. Me rather in silence. 
the rest with various calculations of terror. The suspense did not last long. Just before he reached the castle drawbridge, the route that he was coming, there stands on the roadside a munificent lime tree. On the other stands a munificent ancient stone cross, at sight of which the horses was going apace. They were perfectly frightfully the perfectly frightful swerved so to bring the wheel over the projecting roots of the tree. I knew what was coming. I covered my eyes. I was seeing it out. I turned my head away. The same moment I heard a cry from my lady friends, but gone on a little. Crossing over my eyes, I saw a scene of utter confusion. Two of the horses were on the ground. The carriage lay upon its side. Two wheels were in the air. The men were busy removing the traces of a woman. And a lady, with a commanding air and figure, had got, got out and stood with clasped hands, raising the handkerchief that was in them, every now and then, and then to her eyes. Through the carriage door, was now lifted a young lady, appeared to be lifeless. My dear old father was already beside the elder lady, with his hat in his hand, evidently tendering his aid. And the resources of his solos, a lady did not appear to hear him, or have eyes for anything but slender girls were being placed against the slope of the bank. I approached the young lady. I approached the young lady who was apparently stunned, but she was certainly not dead. My father had piqued himself on being something of a physician, had just had just had his fingers on her wrist, and sure the lady who declared herself her mother. Her pulse, though faint and irregular, was undoubtedly still distinguishable. A lady grasped her hands and looked upward, as if transportion, transport of gratitude. But immediately she broke out again, that theoretical way which is, I believe, natural to some people. She was what it called a fine-looking woman, the son of a time of life. Must have been handsome. She was tall, not but not thin, and dressed in black velvet. Talk, looked rather pale, but with a proud and commanding countenance, whom alone now agitated strangely. How was was ever being so born, so clemently? I heard her say with clasped hands. As I came up, here I am on a journey of life and death, a persecuting which to lose an hour, the possibility to lose all. My child would not have recovered significantly to resume a route, for who can say how long I must leave her, if not dare not delay. How far on, sir? Can you tell me? It's the nearest village. I must leave her here, there, and shall not see my darling, or even hear of her, till my return three months hence. I plucked my father by the coat and whispered earnestly in his ear, Oh, Papa, pray ask her to let us stay with us. It might be so delightful, do pray. Madam will trust her child to the care of my daughter, and my good governor, then, Madame Perron, Don, I commit permit her to remain as our guest under my charge under until the return it will count confer distinction and obligation upon us we shall treat her with all the care devotion which so sacred a trust deserves i cannot do that sir be it would be to task your kindness and chivalry too coolly said the lady distractedly it would on the contrary be a confer be to confer on us a very great kindness, a moment when we most need it. My daughter has been disappointed by a cruel misfortune, a visit which she had long anticipated, a great deal of happiness. We confine this young lady to our care 
shall be our best consolation. Her nearest village and her route was a distant and afford no such inn as you could think of placing your daughter at. You cannot allow her to continue her journey for any considerable distance without danger. If you, as you say, you cannot suspend your journey, you must part with her tonight, and nowhere, nowhere could you do so with more honest assurance of care, tenderness than here. There is something in the lady's air and appearance to distinguish and even imposing a manner so engaging as to impress one, quite apart from the indignity of her equipage and a conviction that she was a person of consequence. By this time the carriage was placed in its upright position, the horses quite tractable, and traces again. The lady threw on her daughter a glance, which I fancied was not quite so affectionate as one might have repetitated at the beginning of the scene. Then she beckoned slightly to my father, who drew two or three steps with him without hear- out of hearing, and talked to him with a fixed and stern countenance, not at all like that which he had ever chose to think him. I filled with wonder that my father did not seem to perceive the change, also unspeakable, bigly curious, to learn what it could be that she was speaking almost to his ear, so most, most earnest, so much earnestly, rapidity. Two or three minutes at most, I think she remained thus employed, when she turned a few steps, brought her to where her daughter lay, supported by Madame Pradon. She wheeled her beside her for a moment, and whispered, as Madame Suffrode, a little dictation in her ear. Then, hastily kissing her, she stepped into a carriage, the door was closed, footmen stately liveries, jumped up behind the outriders, burned on the positions, cracked their whips, horses plunged and broke, fell into a furious canter. They threatened, threatened soon again to become a gallop. The carriage whirled away, followed at the same rapid pace by two horsemen in the rear. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.